on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. What's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on board, as always. You can certainly listen online. You can listen on the ESPN app. Oh, that's a beautiful thing to do. Another gorgeous day in central New York. We're starting to get spoiled here a little bit. I think the weather is going to take a turn this weekend, but after one of the more miserable Aprils in recent memory, May, knock on wood, been pretty darn good. A lot of sunny days, a lot of great days like today that you can take the ESPN app with you wherever you go. And on that ESPN app, you just look on there and there's a listen tab. You find us on the listen tab and we shall go along with you on the great travels of life while you listen to sports talk radio. It's a beautiful thing. What else would you rather do? Here's how you get in touch with the program today, 437-7644. You can hit me on Twitter, Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media, or you can use the On the Block text line to fire away those hot takes. You got your phone in your uh, hand there. That's hot. Might as well uh, fire off the takes or whatever it is that's uh, on your mind today. 2880644 is the On the Block text line. We have one guest joining us today. Our good friend Seth Everett is going to stop by in about 15 minutes, our MLB insider. So, plenty of baseball to talk about with Seth. Seth is also now writing for Forbes and covering the world of sports business, which the big story there continues to be sports gambling, now left to the individual states in this grand union of ours to decide whether or not it should be legal in their states or not, thanks to a Supreme Court ruling earlier this week. And one of the great uh, beneficiaries of sports gambling now being legal, or at least having the potential to be legal in individual states, is the sports media. Hey, that's me! We ready to cash in on this whole thing? Billion dollars. Let's go. I'm ready. So we'll talk to Seth about that. And I'm sure Seth has thoughts on other things as usual. I'm going to ask him about the solo movie coming out and the other. Uh, he's, he does a great podcast about, you know, comic book stuff and comic book movies. So Seth is always an adventure. We'll see what uh, the six degrees of Seth Everett brings us today. As you know, we talked to Seth, and he always knows somebody in some way, shape, or form. Oh, yeah, I was talking to Prince last week in Paris. It's like this he just lives a very interesting life. So we will do that later this hour. Hot takes as usual. Tyus Battle begins his NBA draft quest. 
in Chicago, the fate of the upcoming, this, I, I should say this more dramatically, the fate of the 2018-19 Syracuse basketball team begins today in Chicago. Right? See, that sounds more dramatic. You turn on the voice, you phrase it that way. Stay tuned to find out Tyus Battle's future. I should do the whole show like this. Or maybe not. So we will discuss that a little bit. Alex Tuck, Jonathan Marsha show, the CNY Connections kicking butt in both the NHL's Eastern and Western Conference Finals. All that and more coming up. But I want to start with something that came out of the ACC meetings today, and it kind of comes from the Oh This Again file. Because, look, it's progress is made when people propose ideas. You know, at the heart of it, progress is made when people take chances. Right? You cannot succeed in life. I'm going to get all philosophical on you here, but you cannot succeed in life unless you fail. You have to know that feeling of failure. You have to know what it's like to take a step back before you can have the fortune of taking two steps forward. You've got to take chances in life. So progress is not made until somebody comes up with an idea, that idea is proposed, that idea is either accepted or mocked or both, and you enact said idea. This is how life moves forward or backwards in some ways, right? Yay, democracy. This comes from those... From the, pardon me, oh, this again file. So the ACC meetings are taking place this week, or wrapping up today, as a matter of fact. Syracuse Athletic Director John Wildhack will be right here in this very studio at this very time tomorrow. So that is certainly one of the things we will discuss with him, including this very proposal right here. So I'm just going to read to you from our good friend Andrea Adelson from ESPN. The ACC plans to propose legislation to expand the NCAA tournament field from 68 to 72 teams, Commissioner John Swafford said at the conclusion of the league's annual spring meetings in Amelia Island, Florida. We'll have to ask uh, Wild Hack about that tomorrow. How was how are the digs at the ACC meetings? You know, they're not doing this at the Red Roof Inn. Swafford said that the men's basketball coaches endorsed the proposal, citing more postseason opportunities for football teams compared to basketball teams. Now, here is a quote from Swafford telling reporters in Florida, and this is according to the Raleigh News and Observer, quote, the idea of having two first fours, if you will, may be geographic. That's such a quick turnaround. You could have one maybe in Dayton and one in the western part of the states. But we will be proposing that. Miami Hurricanes coach Jim Laranega told ESPN that expanding the NCAA tournament field would be good for several reasons, including, quote, unreasonable travel for West Coast teams to Dayton, Ohio. Said Laranega, quote, there are always bubble teams that could have and should have been invited that go on a big run that don't get invited. 68 of 351 Division I teams make the field. That's 19 percent. 72 teams would make it 20 This is not a huge increase when you compare it to how many football teams make it to a bowl game. Okay. There's other quotes in there. I'd be very curious to hear what Jim Beheim thinks about this. He has in the past been in favor of expanding the field at one time. uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe he said 96 teams should be playing in this. Which, no, they they should not have 96 teams in the NCAA tournament. No. They pushed it to 68, and they did this first four thing, and, you know, we all lived, and certainly uh, coming off the heels of, you know, 
let's see, Syracuse cashing in on the first four, taking that opportunity and riding it all the way to the Sweet 16, one would think, you know what, it's not that bad. See, you kind of slow burn this stuff. You expand it to 68. You let that settle in. Everybody's used to a bigger field. You dilute the water. You know, you dilute the, the liquid, if you will. You dilute the opinion that having 68 teams is a bad thing. You let it settle in, and then this gets thrown in there. Well, now, how about four more? Goes from 19 to 20%. Still got teams at the end of the year. Can't travel to Dayton. It's unfair. Coaches will always be in favor of more teams in this tournament because coaches like to save jobs. Coaches like other coaches to have jobs. And the ultimate thing that saves your job or ensures your job going further, if you are a coach whose job may be in trouble or people are unhappy with the program, is make the tournament. And most people have been deluded into the opinion that the first four is the tournament. It is not. And I say that knowing that Syracuse got there, cashed in their opportunity, and propelled that into a legit, bona fide, they beat who was put in front of them, Sweet 16 run. But the first four is not the tournament. The first four is what it is original name was. It's the play-in game. It is the last opportunity to get in. It is a tournament in a sense, right? It's, you know, one done tournament. You only have to play in one of these games before you move on. But it's not the tournament. If you approach it and play like it is the tournament, then you'll advance, you'll move on. But I think we all know what it is. It's this little thing they do before Thursday noon, the real tournament starts. So some will hear this and say, four more teams, is that really a big deal? It makes sense. It's only 20% of 351 teams, and they compare it to football. See, the thing about that is I think we all can agree here. There's too many bowl games. Bowl games are great because gives the sometimes false sense that you had a good season. Now, sitting here, again, I'm, I'm going to have a hard time selling some people on this because in Syracuse, New York, bowl game, we'll take a bowl game. Syracuse is coming off four and eight seasons in consecutive years. A bowl game sounds pretty nice. Six and six is a sign of progress. Six and six, being bowl eligible, is showing that Syracuse football under Dino Babers is taking the step forward that it needs be competitive again. What they've done to validate that opinion is everything else. Beating Clemson this year, beating Virginia Tech last year, putting in a style of play that is entertaining, and all the other reasons we've gone over many times as to why I think Syracuse football's perception is better amongst the fan base. Thanks, Brent. You're welcome, Coach. But eventually, it comes down to, well, you've got to, if that's the standard, if the standard is there's too many of these things and you know, you get a bowl bid with a free fill-up at Sunoco these days. Well, you better be one of those teams that gets it. That is the conversation in basketball, too. But Syracuse basketball is a much higher standard than that. Getting to the tournament is expected. Getting to the tournament is not a prize. Getting to the tournament is, that that's like bare minimum. That's not your standard. That's not your goal. Syracuse is goal ultimately is to do well in the tournament. I mean, you can you can make a fair case that you're in the toughest basketball league in the country, and merely getting in the tournament gives you the opportunity to, you know, go to the four, Final Four a couple of years ago, make a deep run in the tournament this year that was unexpected. Just get there and good things will happen. But I think we'd all agree that if I 
wrote down the mission statement for Syracuse basketball, and let's say it was going to be put in the Carrier Dome amongst all these new renovations, our mission statement as a program is to merely make the NCAA tournament. Like, it's all how you word things, but I don't think that would go over well, right? So for, and it's just one quote, and it's one coach, and it's a very smart coach in Jim Laranega, but to compare it to the number of teams in football that get a postseason bid versus the number of teams that get a postseason bid in basketball, well, a bowl game is one game. A tournament's a tournament. And if you're 6-6, six and six, you have no chance. None. It's a bowl game. You go to Yankee Stadium. You play this game. Here's a nice payout. Thanks for coming. You get in the tournament while your chances are lower of competing for a Final Four, but at least there's a shot there. So you can debate whether that's a good or a bad thing. I don't think that has anything to do with it. And again, I think most people would say, yeah, a good percentage of football teams get bowl bids, but they really shouldn't. So where is the demand to expand this thing other than from coaches, other than from the leagues, other than from the people that see the opportunity and you hear the words there from John Swafford. Well, you know, we can have another first four, and it's unfair from teams to go from the West Coast to the first four, to which I would say, you had four months to take care of that problem. Oh, it's unfair to have a team come from the West Coast to the first four. Well, don't be a team that barely made the tournament. That's college basketball. That's the life. You have a four-month college basketball schedule to ensure you don't do that. You've got, some, at, at, at some point, you're at the end of the rope. You're at the end of the line. And the team at the end of the line doesn't get advantages. It's supposed to be hard, right? The top seeds get the advantages because they're the top seeds, because they're good, because they earned it, because over a four-month college basketball season, they played well enough and are good enough to say, hey, we're a top seed. We're, you know, just for an example, Duke, and we're going to play our first two games in, say, the state of North Carolina. And on and on it goes. The last team in shouldn't get an advantage. It's supposed to be hard. So you got to fly from the West Coast to the first four. To that, I would say, wah, I guess, for lack of a better word. That's not a reason to expand the tournament. That's not another reason to have another one of these things on the West Coast. At some point, you're diluting what you do. It's supposed to be hard to make the tournament. And this is what they do. Well, let's just add four more teams and then let that settle in and you get used to it. And, well, how about four more? And they just keep going and going until it's, what are we doing here? So I don't want to be the old guy in the porch here. I'm more than willing to listen to more educated opinions on this than I have, certainly. I'll just throw in another coach who was quoted in the story. Buffalo coach Nate Oates said the idea to expand to 72 is not something that came up in the Mid-American Conference meetings, but he'd definitely be in favor of a proposal that would help more mid-major teams reach the tournament. Quote, I can guarantee you we'd be all for that. The chances of us getting multiple teams in would go up. I mean, they were a team that upset a four seed. Buffalo came in and, and had that great run, and that's great. But again, every coach in the world would be in favor of this because they could be in that position, especially a mid-major coach or other coaches. No coach is going to tell you, I've got a chance to make it easier to make the tournament. Nah, I'm good. So, I, you know, that's one opinion. It's a valued opinion. They're the ones that have to do it. But who's really calling for this? Who, on Selection Sunday, and there's always a few teams that get left out. That's just always going to be the case, unless they keep expanding it. And then 
one of the great things about the tournament goes away, and that is the debate about who should be there or not. So we'll see where this goes, how much traction it gets, but it's interesting that the ACC is the league that has the idea, that is proposing this, and that is saying we need a bigger tournament. And I wonder what the rest of us out here are saying in response to that, because my response is, no, you don't. And on that note, we will break, because Seth Everett is going to join us next. We're going to talk some baseball, and boy, you know what happens when Seth comes on the show. You just never know what direction we'll go in. So hang in there. We'll do it next. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Hey, this is party music, right? Well, if you want to party at Shaughnessy's Pub in the Marriott Syracuse downtown, like, listen, when you show up to the office and you bring donuts or something, like, hey, that's cool. Bob was the office hero today. What if you won an office party, courtesy of our friends at UPS, at the Marriott Syracuse downtown in Shaughnessy's Pub? Then you're employee of the month. Boom. Listen to the Daniel Baldwin Show all summer long. Be caller 10 when prompted, and we'll register you for the UPS happy hour party. The first one is tomorrow, by the way, at the Marriott Syracuse downtown. So be listening all summer long for your chance to register and win that and you're welcome, Employee of the Month. Hit me with that fancy open. Let's do this thing. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for hot takes on the block. I am excited about this. I really am not. Sometimes hot takes can be satire, and we use this to bring up ridiculous things in the world of sports, which I'm about to, considering somebody who actually played themselves off as a high school teenager recently. That's what hot takes is for, but this I am dead serious about. The Cleveland Browns have been selected for hard knocks. This is the perfect team for hard knocks, because what hard knocks is good at and when it's most interesting is when there is an extreme of some sort, right? Rex Ryan was an extreme. Let's go get a bleeping snack and okay, Rex wait, Ryan. Exactly. And you're drawn to it. There's an extreme there. Reality television, if you will, is at its best when there's some sort of emotion, there's some sort of extreme that draws you in. Okay, last year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were on Hard Knocks. I can't remember a darn thing about it. What do we remember from Hard Knocks? The guys that get cut, the stuff we haven't seen before. Antonio Camardi has 27 kids, and he can't remember any of their names. Rex Ryan swearing, right? Now, some people love the football stuff and the way NFL Films and HBO does it, and I'm one of those people, and it's great. But Cleveland is the perfect team for this. They're coming off a dismal, historic 0-16 season. Baker Mayfield is the number one pick, so you get to follow a number one pick competing with the worst team in football to be the starting quarterback. And, oh, by the way, Baker Mayfield has a personality. He's camera-ready right now. The inner workings of how this team is trying to turn around one of the worst runs in major professional sports history. That's interesting to me. I want to see that. I want to go behind the scenes of that. I want to know, like, how do they screw this up? And training camp only gives you sort of a passing view of that. But they are the perfect team for hard knocks. I have faith that this is going to be one of the better hard knocks we've seen in a long time. Because, again, for shows like this to work, there's only so many times you can say, hey, we take you, you've never been before, and you go behind the scenes, it's like, no, we, we've kind of done that now. 
I cannot wait for this. I do not have HBO, so I'll need to borrow your password to watch this, but good on the National Football League. Now, they're at the point where they have to force teams to be on this show because no one wants to do it anymore, but I'm all for that rule because that is very interesting to me. And now we bring you one of those stories that, see, hot takes is just that. Sometimes I have strong opinions on things, and I can't really spend an entire segment on it, so we, we do this this segment, and we get to kind of cover some national stories and some other things that otherwise we just wouldn't spend that much time on. And sometimes it's just, this is so weird, I've just got to read it to you and then see what reaction comes out of me. And this is the case in this story. And no, I'm not talking about the woman who pooped at a Tim Hortons. And that happened, and you can go read about that, and God forbid, watch that, because there's Security cam video. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about this. This is from Dallas. Police say, now, I'm going to leave this part out and come back to it. I'm going to bury the lead here a little bit because it's a jaw dropper. Police say a blank man, okay, I'm just going to leave that out, duped two high schools for nine months by posing as a 17-year-old student and Hurricane Harvey evacuee in order to play basketball. Court records show, and I'm going to botch this name, but I shall try it anyway, Sidney Bovier-Gilstrap-Portley, yes, he has four names, faces a charge of tampering with government records. He was arrested on Friday. Dallas school district officials say he first enrolled at Skyline High School and later moved to Hillcrest High School in the Dallas area, where he joined the basketball team. District spokeswoman Robin Harris said the man took advantage of schools opening their doors to students displaced by the hurricane. District officials believe that Gilstrap Portley's primary motivation was to play basketball. Now, I left out the main part of this. Take a guess how old Mr. Bouvier Gilstrap Portley was. Posing as a 17-year-old student and doing it successfully at not one but two different schools. He was so desperate to play high school basketball that a 25-year-old man duped two Dallas high schools, posed as a 17-year-old, and made it happen. Like There's all those television shows and movies from the 80s when the character looks too old. Like I, I was a huge Beverly Hills 90210 fan back in the day. And the actress that played Andrea, like, they were, we were really stretching here. Like That's a high school student, and the show kept going, and it kept getting picked up. And, well, they got older, and eventually they had to move them on from high school because they're 30-year-old people playing high school kids. Here you have a 25-year-old who's so desperate to play. And there's other details of the story. He was dating underage girls. and it's, Yeah, it just makes your skin crawl. But these things are happening in the And again, sometimes I don't have an opinion on this stuff. It's just that that's a thing that's out there in the world and it happened. And yeah, that's hot. That, the, yeah, I guess I just wow. Of all the things you can do, people, you can deceive people into doing. He just wanted to play ball. And the fact that he pulled it off. Twice. Posing as a Hurricane Harvey evacuee. And remember, of course, the big hurricanes that happened last fall in Texas. Incredible. Four three seven seventy six forty four is the phone number. We brought this up earlier. Stephen Norris Syracuse wants to chime in on it, and that is the concept of an expanded NCAA tournament, which the A's, this is not just a, hey, let's see thing 
kind of thing. The ACC is going to propose doing this very thing, 68 to 72. Steve, what do you think? Well, uh, uh, if you're a blockhead, you have to think outside the box, so that's what I do all the that time. Yeah, baby. I love uh, it. Uh, I actually am of two opinions of this, and you can get your RAS button ready, but uh, uh, I just want to stress I understand that neither of these things is ever going to happen. I'm just going to state my, my preferences. One is an old-fashioned opinion that the NCAA tournament is about bringing together the top teams in the country to play each other to see who is the best of the best to determine the national champion. And if we were to go uh, in that direction, try to be pure about that, I would just take the top 16 teams, put them in four regionals, treat them like Olympic pools, have them play a round robin, and then the four, uh, plus any extra games to break ties, and the four uh, survivors go on to the final four, and you could even do the same thing there. And that way you'd have nothing but the best teams in the country going head-to-head all the time with each other, and you'd feel like the team that won it is the national champion. Now, what we wind up with instead is uh, uh, we, we, in, we endlessly parse the records of mediocre teams that are clearly not among the best teams in the country and extremely unlikely to, to win the national champion. Even though some of them, like a couple of recent Syracuse teams, can go pretty far in the tournament. But I get really tired of, of all the debates, the blind resumes, the, uh, who did you beat in December, and, and uh, all of these things. So the other part of me says, let's just go in the other direction and throw them all in. Get rid of the conference tournaments that a lot of people don't like. Uh, it would only take a couple more weeks to include everybody in Division One, and it would only take a couple more weeks from that to include everybody in the NCAA. You could have it be like a sports car race where you have different classes, and whoever from a class goes the farthest would be the champion of that class. You might even get teams to, to go to the class they actually belong in instead of clinging to Division One status. And uh, that way you wouldn't have any of these debates. It would all be about seeding, but... Uh, if Syracuse is the 100th best team and they're going to play the 99th best team, I don't think anybody's going to argue, well, we should have been, they're going to play the 900th best team. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't think anybody would argue that uh, we should be the 99th best team so we could play the 901st best team. It would All anybody would care about is on-the-field results, who we're going to play, what's going to happen, and that's what interests me the most. So neither thing is going to happen at all. But those are my two preferences, and they're on either extreme. Of the two that you just proposed, Steve, I would love to see the latter, the second, throw everybody in the in the darn pool, and thanks for the call, and thinking outside the box as a blockhead as always, just to see how they'd pull that off. Just to see like, if the 285th best team could make it to the Sweet 16. I'm just so curious to see that happen once. So... Of the two things that will never happen, I'm more in favor of the second thing, to never happen, to happen. Now, I'm going to continue this conversation coming up because I went back and looked at, you know, and you just look at these lists, and there's a 100 of them at the time. But I pulled up a list of the nine teams that got snubbed from the tournament, right? These nine teams should have been there. And let's keep in mind with this expansion discussion that Syracuse, by every measure, was the last team in, and had they been left out of the tournament, nobody would have had a real big problem with that. So if it is expanded to 72, 
who should have got in this year that didn't. And, oh, look, there's a couple ACC teams in that discussion. What a coinky dink. We'll come back. Stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.